Turn with me to the book of John, chapter 1. The light of God in our lives. I want to read this. I, I try to read this around this time every year. It's something I wrote uh, several years ago. It kind of has to do with uh, this time of year. It's a poem that the Holy Spirit gave me uh, to kind of just kind of sum up. It's, it's the gospel in a nutshell. You know, you take the gospel and shrink it down into a little tiny nutshell. It says, They had no shame, heartache, or pain when in the pristine valley they trod, living in peace, wholeness, and joy, for they were covered by the glory of God. But through deception and sin's dread inception, the, co the covering of glory was lost. So separation and the soul's deprivation, bondage and sin was the cause. But then one night, an unstartling sight, angels appeared with a song. For redemption was born in an unusual form, a son to God now belong. First born among, among men with power over sin, he died to redeem what was lost. But then rose from the grave, delivering the depraved. Jesus had paid sin's cost. Now Satan defeated, God's plan is completed, enlightening our darkened hearts. We are now renewed with power endued to the willing he freely imparts. Praise God. I want to be willing today to receive what God has for me. Ah, thank the Lord. John chapter 1. I feel like I'm talking in a barrel today. I, I, I had to get some stuff done the other day and worked all day in the rain. was wet and cold all day, and, and that probably wasn't the smartest thing to do. But uh, we're going to push through this, this muffled sound. John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. When we talk about light, you know, we got lights on in here today. And the purpose of the light is, is so that we can see, so that we can perceive, so that we can understand what our surroundings is. And when we have that, when, we, when the light comes on, we're able to perceive not only images but details. We see the details of things. If you if you can see good. Whenever I was in Africa that one time got sick, all I could see was was outlines and, and kind of colors and images. And you know, about lost my eyesight, but but I could still make out the shapes and, and some of the colors. So I could kind of Maneuver. I could kind of make my way around because I could make out images and, and, and colors. And, and so I could somewhat function. But then when my eyesight come back, I saw more than the outline of people. I saw the detail of people. 
I saw what was what existed inside the image. When we without in, in order for light to be effective, there has to be a receiver of light. There has to be something that causes us to be able to receive the light. Our eyes, if, if our eyes, if we're blind, light doesn't do us any good. There's, there's no use in it. It's all darkness. If you can't see, everything is darkness. Doesn't matter how light, how much, how bright the lights are, it's not going to do any good because you can't see it. So there has to be, in order to recognize light, there has to be a receptor, a, a receiver, something that takes that light and, and turns it around and, and somehow we got this big video screen in our brains. I don't know where it is. You know, it just looks like all gray matter to me. But somewhere in there, there's a video screen and that light projects on that video screen and we're able to perceive what we're doing. Have you, ever, have you ever just stopped to think of how amazing it is that your eye and hand coordination and the fact that you can see details and, and things like that, your, 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 your eyes and your hands and your body are able to function together because of this image that we, we perceive, this image we see, and we're able to function in that. And, and we're able to do stuff that, that is amazing. You know, when you, when you see uh, some of the things that people can do with eye and hand coordination and things, it is just absolutely amazing how fast the brain works and how fast we're able to perceive. But that's because we have the ability to not only receive, but interpret the light and interpret the details of the image that's in front of us. Actually, everything that you see comes through your eye upside down, which is weird. Make you feel a little, a little dizzy. Everything you're looking at comes into your eye upside down. And then in the back of your eye, that image is flipped over and it's presented to your brain in the proper way. It's like a, a prism. There's, there's millions and millions and millions of optic nerves that go from your eye to your brain, and that is, that, that's what causes you to be able to see the image that you're able to see. And, you know, sometimes we have to use these things. You know, I, I, I started learning uh, several years ago that uh, getting ready in the morning for church, it's best to put these things on when you look in the mirror. Because I got to noticing one day that people were staring, wasn't looking at me in the eye. When I was talking to them, they was looking over on this side. You know, they, they wasn't looking at me in the eye. And I kept thinking, why aren't they looking at me in the eye? You know, what, what in the world? You know, they were very distracted. And so I got home. I put my glass on, looked in the mirror. I had a one-inch hair sticking out of my cheekbone right here. And that's what everybody's looking at. You know, they get that detail. So I began to realize that I needed to magnify the image that I was looking at in order to see the detail of what, was, what I was perceiving. We, when the, the Word of God says that Jesus came as a light into the darkness. Now I want you to stop and, and realize for a minute that the light did not ask permission of the darkness to exist. One of the things that we've got to realize is God is not asking permission of this world to exist. The gospel exists. The gospel has power. Jesus is alive. No matter how much they, people want to say that he's not, he's still here. He's still manifesting. He's still saving lives. He's still redeeming. He's still 
working wonders in our lives. I've experienced way too much for anybody to tell me that he's not alive. I receive, I experience the presence and power and the existence of God. I, I understand things because he teaches me. I see things because he reveals it to me. I'm able to do things that I shouldn't be able to do because he gives me the power to do that. Jesus is alive today, and he's alive in this world, and he's not asking permission from the darkness whether he can exist or not. Amen. China tried to shut him out, and yet, and yet Jesus has continued to manifest in China regardless of all the laws that they passed and all the people that they've killed. They, but they rounded up a bunch of people in house churches the other day and, and put them in jail, and yet they think that they're going to be able to stop it. But today there are millions and millions and millions. There are more Christians in, in China today than there ever was before communism take, took over. And they are, matter of fact, in China is one of the largest Christian populations in the world. Even though Jesus hasn't been given permission to be in China. He does not ask our permission he doesn't ask the permission of darkness whether he can shine or not. He came to shine the light on every person, on everyone that's born. The light is shown upon their lives. In some way, there's a manifestation of the presence of God. You travel, travel around this world, and you realize that every culture is searching for God. No matter where they're from, they, and, and they, if they don't know the real God, they create a God. They worship images. They worship ancestors. They worship anything they can worship to try to figure out who this creator God is that, that somehow impacts their life and they don't understand. But then when you reveal to them who he is, then it's amazing how the light comes on, the revelation comes on, and they come, they, they come to him and, and receive him, and they are illuminated. They, they receive the power of God. It's amazing to me, no matter where I've traveled in this world, everywhere I go, people that have received Jesus Christ, there's a likeness. There's a camaraderie. There's, you, you know it. You sense it. You know that he is. Amen. You know that they're Christians because you, you can see the shine on their face. You can see it in their eyes. And there's this likeness, there's this camaraderie. Why? Because the light shines into darkness. Now, darkness, the Bible uh, says that the darkness did not comprehend, did not understand, was not able to perceive what the light was. I want to read this in the Amplified Bible. It says, in the beginning, before all time was the Word, Christ, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God himself. He was continually existing in the beginning, co-eternally with God. All things were made and came into, exi into existence through him, and without him, not even one thing was made that has come into being. In him was life, and the power to bestow life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not understand it or overpower it, or appropriate it or absorb it and is unreceptive to it until the light shines in our heart until revelation comes in our heart we don't we don't know what we're looking for we don't know what we're hungry for we don't know what we need in our life we search for all types of things and we find out that the the um, 
<coughs> excuse me, the pleasure of this world are full of futility and, and are dissatisfying. There's no satisfaction in the pleasures of this world. People, people strike out to see, try to find some type of pleasure in this world, and the pleasure that they seek ends up enslaving them. Instead of it being something that fulfills their life, it becomes a slave. It becomes a prison sentence. And, and, and we constantly try to help people that have, that have become imprisoned by the very things that they sought to bring joy to their lives. Their soul trying to find something to bring relief, and yet instead of relief, it brings, it brings even more bondage, even, even more destruction into their life. And so we, we search and we look and we try to find something to satisfy the craving inside of our heart. But there's one thing that will satisfy that, and that's Jesus Christ, because God left a hole inside of you that can only be filled with him. Every person has this God-sized hole in their, inside of their soul that cannot be helped, cannot be filled, cannot be satisfied, except when you put the right peace in the right place. And it's the peace of God. It's the very presence of God. And when the presence of God comes in that place, all of a sudden we feel whole. We feel complete. We feel like everything's okay. We, we find that, that fullness and that wholeness of God that, that we, we can't find anywhere else. And, and we begin to realize that's one of the reasons that we've been trying. You know, today Christianity has gotten so far from the fulfillment of God and, and has created this, this thing that, that is just more entertainment than anything else. But people aren't finding the fullness of God. They're not finding the completeness of God. And, and so they're still, <coughs> excuse me, still looking for themselves. Still looking for something to make them happy. Still looking for something that will fulfill their lives. I'm amazing. I'm amazed a lot of times being around Christians how miserable they are. How can we be miserable if we know the truth? And that's just it. We don't know the truth. We claim Christ, and we, we, we know some of the Word, and, but we're not living the Word. We're not living that fulfillment. We're not close enough to Him to really receive what His fullness is. And so that aching inside of our heart continues because we're not pursuing the right thing. Amen. Oh, if we, can just, if we can just understand that peace comes through him, wholeness comes through him. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9 says that you are complete in him. Complete in him. People are still trying to look for completeness and trying to find themselves and, you know, find something good about themselves. And, and uh, you know, you, you watch Facebook and everybody, everybody really flocks to these things of what is, what is your animal you know, what kind of animal you turn into when you get mad and what kind of, you know, what kind of personality you have and what kind of this and what kind of that. And I, I'm always amused at these things because they're, they're reading these things and it's being spit out by some kind of computer that's just simply spitting stuff out. They don't know you. They can't diagnose you. What do you think? There's a computer, some kind of psychic thing that through the screen it latches onto your brain and reads you, you know, you know reads your eye retina and all of a sudden knows you. No, but there's one that does know you. He knows you inside and out. He knows your family history. He knows where you come from. He knows what it is that you like. He knows what it is you don't like. He knows what it is that will fulfill your life and will cause you to have a fullness inside of you that just literally causes you to come alive 
Oh, come on, church. We got we to gotta learn to come alive in Jesus. Amen. Not live in death. Come alive in him. You know, a lot of, a lot of people, they, they get to the cross and never get to the resurrection. They come to Jesus. They, they say, Lord, save me and forgive me my sins, but they never get to the resurrection where you come alive in him, where you learn to walk in the fullness of his spirit. You learn to, you learn to receive from him and walk in all that he has. Amen. Oh, God's, God's got so much goodness for us and so much fullness for us if we would just yield to it and, and accept it and pursue it. Paul, Apostle Paul said, I want to apprehend that for which Christ has apprehended me. In other words, what he's saying is, God touched me with something, and I am chasing it. I am pursuing what he touched me with to apprehend it. Yeah, God's amazing at, at tag. He knows how to play tag. You ever played a game of tag? You know, you tag somebody and then they try to, you know, try to tag you back and all that kind of stuff. And, but God's amazing at that because he will come and he'll ins insert something into your heart and you'll feel the presence of God. You'll feel that touch of God. You'll feel, you'll feel that life. And he gives you just enough to make you say, whoa, I want some more of that. Where was that? You know, it's like, it's like eating something, getting a bite of something good, and, and all of a sudden, you know, that's all you think about, I think. I don't have cravings like that, but boy, when I taste something good, I know what it is. We had a bunch of Cajun food yesterday. Cajun food is my weakness. I actually ate too much. I never do that. I usually eat one little plate of food, and yesterday I went back for more because we we had we had we had shrimp fixed in in jerk sauce, and and we had jam, jambalaya with Creole sauce on it, and and we had andouille sausage, and and all. I love the spicy stuff. It's awesome. and man, that, that was good. You know, I'd go to try to take a bite, my tongue about beat my brains out trying to get a hold of it before I could get it in my mouth. I mean, just. You know, just so good. I know what something is good. I know what, what something tastes good, you know. I know when, that, when it tastes good, and, and you just kind of want more of it, you know. Most food, I eat a little bit of it, and I'm done with it, you know. It's okay, I've done that, over with. But when I taste something really good, it's kind of like, whoa, I, you know, I kind of like to have a little bit more of that. You know, that sounds so, I hear people say that all the time, oh, that sounds so good. You know, I'd like to have some of that. I don't know until I eat it if I want some of it. You know, then, I, then I, it's like, whoo, yeah, that's good. I like that. Well, that's kind of how God is. He gives you a taste. The Bible says, oh, taste and see that he's good. And he gives you a little taste of who he is. And, and just enough to where you'll turn around and you'll, you'll start pursuing. As Paul said, I want to apprehend that for which Christ has apprehended me. And he said, I, don't, I have not attained yet. Now, if Apostle Paul, who, who walked in the presence of God, I mean, he had power. He, he, he could actually be happy in prison. Now, that's being full of God. 
in chains and bondage, and he was still said, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. I mean, that's amazing. That's amazing to me. Paul didn't know how to feel sorry for himself. You know, that's one of the, one of the things that, that is ruining our world today and ruining America is we learn how to feel sorry for ourselves, and it's eating us up. It's rotting us from the inside out. But when we get a hold of God, we realize we don't have to feel sorry for ourselves because God's got everything we need. We just got to pursue him. Apostle Paul was pursuing him no matter what. He said, I have learned in whatever state I'm in, therewith to be content. He said, I have learned how to abound and I've learned how to be a base. In other words, I, he, what he was saying was, I've learned how to not be affected by my situations or circumstances. I rejoice in the Lord when I'm abounding and I rejoice in the Lord when I'm a base. I rejoice when I've got wealth and I rejoice when I'm broke. It doesn't matter what happens, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord. And Apostle Paul grabbed hold of that. He had it. I mean, this is a guy that was stoned to death for preaching the gospel, went to the third heaven, heard things that could not be, be uttered on earth. God raised him from the dead out of a rock pile, and he got right back up, went right back into the same place that just stoned him, and started preaching the gospel again. I mean, this guy knew God. He had, he had received from God. I mean, who else would do that? I mean, we'd, shake, we'd, we'd throw rocks back at them. I mean, you know, yeah, I ain't going to preach the gospel to you anymore. But God raised him up. He shook off the rocks, shook off the stones, and went right back in and started preaching the gospel. He, he had an impartation of the presence of God, and yet Paul said, I have not attained yet. I'm not there. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind me, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. He said, I don't know. I, I'm not going to live back there. I'm not going to live in the experiences that I had because there's something yet ahead of me that I haven't got. I'm still pursuing. I still want to attain. I still want to apprehend this thing that I've been touched with. One place he cried, oh, that I might know him. I mean, this is a guy that went to the third heaven and heard things that, I mean, he went and, he went and visited with God, and then God sent him back. Can you imagine getting stoned to death and finally getting to heaven and God saying, well, this is really great, but you got to go back to the rock pile. Most of us would not be happy about that. One, one minute in heaven, hearing things that wasn't even lawful for him to utter on earth, and the next minute he's, he's, he's waking up in the rock pile that they just stoned him with, and he's got to get back up and go preach the gospel in that old mortal body and go back and do it. You know, and yet he said, I rejoice. But he cried out one time. He said, oh, that I might know him. In the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering and being made conformable unto his death. In other words, Paul was saying, I want to know everything there is about this Savior, about this power that has touched me, this, this glory that I've experienced. I want to know everything there is about it. But when darkness is in our mind, 
You know, the Bible says that the God of this world has blinded the minds of, of, of those that are in darkness, blinded their minds. They, they can't see, they per, can't perceive. And so the only way they can see is, is some, somebody has to shine the light. Now, the Bible says that we are, I believe it's in, in the book of Luke, said we are the sons of light. God wants to illuminate through us. In some way, he wants to touch somebody with the light that they can see. Amen. When the light comes on, all of a sudden, it's clear. Amen. That's what the gifts of the Spirit are for. It's, it's, not, it's not for us just to feel the presence of God or feel powerful or do things like that. It's to demonstrate and make people aware of the presence of God. God's right here. God is right here. Hallelujah. He's not somewhere that's far off. He knows who you are. Amen. There's time that God, God give, gives me words for people, very direct, very, very specific words for people. And at first I see the, the, almost the fear in their eyes when, when they realize that some, somebody's looking into their soul. But then all of a sudden the light starts coming on because God begins to change their life. God begins to, to reveal and begin to reveal himself. And all of a sudden they begin to realize, hey, this is God and, and God knows who I am. He cares about me. He's speaking into my life right now. And God cares about me. Amen. What an amazing thing when all of a sudden people that are living in darkness all of a sudden experience a flash of the light. And that flash of light begins to attract them and they begin, begin to be drawn. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says that, that I have not seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those that love him. But then he says that he has, he has illuminated it. He has made it obvious to those of us that can see. In verse 10 it says, but God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, just the deep things of God, for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. We, don't, we can't see it until it, light is shined on it. If you try to go through a room without any lights on, I guarantee you, your little toe is going to find something in that room. And all of a sudden, you're not going to know what you hit, but all of a sudden, your body is going to say something just ripped my little toe off and I got to find it. Have you ever done that? Uh-huh. Ain't no pain like that. When you ram your toes into, into something... And, and, and it don't move and your toes do that, that is painful. If you haven't experienced that, we need to let you experience that before you leave here today. You, you have not lived. You will come alive if you experience that. But when you turn the light on, you can navigate because you can see, you can perceive 
what's there. And that's what God's done for us. He has turned the light on so we can perceive. Now, a lot of us have, have got just close enough to God that all we can make out is, is a form and some colors. We feel like we know God because we, we see some form and some colors. But I don't know about you, but I'm not happy with that. Amen. God can do some amazing God leads us. It doesn't mean that God's not with you. He can still lead you. I've told you about when I, when I was experiencing that, I had to find this guy at the airport. Didn't know who he was. Didn't know what he looked like. I couldn't see. I couldn't make anything out. But Holy Spirit led me in the hundreds of people out there. He led me right to this man that I was supposed to meet. I knew him. All I could see was his form. But somehow when I scanned across that crowd, I saw this guy and I knew who he was. And I walked up to him behind him, tapped him on the back, and I said, are you Dr. James? He said, yes. Are you Pastor Snyder? I said, yep, let's go. Holy Spirit was able to show me. He was able to lead me. But I wasn't happy with that. I don't want to just walk around hardly able to see. I mean, that's awesome. That was an awesome experience for Holy Spirit to do that. I mean, unless you've lived through something like that, you don't understand how awesome it is that you're lost, you're, you don't know what to do, and all of a sudden you have... You know, Holy Spirit leads you right to where you're supposed to be and, and reveals stuff to you. That is amazing. But it's still not a good substitute for being able to see. I would just soon be able to see. Amen. And when my eyesight come back, I saw more than colors and shapes. I saw detail. I was able to see the people. And I got up, I preached for, for four days like that. And, and had to preach from memory. I couldn't read, so I, I preached everything from memory. And, and God blessed me, and God helped me, and it was wonderful. It was a wonderful experience, other than the fact that, I, you know, what I had to go through to get there, but it was a wonderful experience. But I still enjoy being able to read the Word of God. That's better. Now, most of us have enough relationship with God that we know he exists because we, 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 we somehow see a form. And we see a little bit of things that he does. But God doesn't want you just to do that. He wants you to be able to see the details in who he is. He wants you to be able to see him. That's what Paul was crying out. He's, Paul was crying out and saying, I just want to be able to know you. I want to be able to see you and who you really are. I don't want just a religious understanding of who you are. Amen. There were some years ago that I just, I, I got tired of, of just trying to navigate through all of the religiosity of the church. I got tired of, of trying to navigate through the Baptist scriptures and the Pentecostal scriptures and the oneness scriptures and the Trinity scriptures and the Jehovah's Witness scriptures and the you know, the, the Mormon scriptures. And, you know, it's, it's like we took this Bible and we seg segregated it into pieces. And, and, and I got to, re you know, I realized that different churches didn't like you reading those scriptures or preaching those scriptures because those belong to this church. I got tired of all that stuff, just the religiosity of all this garbage. And I just started saying, God, I just want to know who you are. I want to have a real understanding and revelation of who you are. I don't, want to, I don't want to preach church doctrine. I want to preach relationship. I want to know you. 
I want to be able to see past the pompous packets of religious information that says we have canonized the truth and anybody outside of our canonization of truth is not right. And yet, I begin to find out that everybody had a piece of the promise. Everybody has a piece of relationship. Everybody has a piece of revelation. And I, and I started saying, I'm not, I'm not going to be happy with just pieces. I want the whole. I want to know you, God. I want to walk into your presence and know you. I don't want to relate to you through anything. I want to relate to you personally, individually. I want to walk with you. And I found out that Holy Spirit is the closest friend you could ever have, and he will walk with you. He will literally walk with you. He will instruct you. He's, he's, he's a friend that will help you understand. Amen. He'll help you understand what's going on with you. One of the greatest things we can do is, is Holy Spirit help us, let us deep dive into our own heart and realize who we are because once that happens, all of a sudden, everybody else isn't quite so strange. Oh, some of y'all needed to get a hold of that. You see people all the time that don't like people. You know why? Because they don't like themselves. They haven't figured themselves out because once you figure yourself out, you realize everybody else is kind of normal. Because when you, when you begin to understand your own weirdness, everybody else's weirdness doesn't seem so weird. You begin to look at them and, and you start overlooking the things that you don't like about them because you realize you've got a whole bunch of stuff people don't like about you. And you realize that grace is everything, that you walk in grace with people, people walk in grace with you. Your intolerances is only because you don't have, have revelation of who you are. We have revelation thinking that, that we're good at something. And yet there's somebody better than you. Come on, somebody. And we want to hide the things we're not good at, and then we realize that, hey, there's people that are worse at it than I am. Why am I hiding? Amen. God, is, God wants us to come to a personal relationship and understanding of who he is, and he wants us to receive the light because the light's shining. The light's shining. And when that begins to be made manifest, all of a sudden clarity begins to come into our heart. I've, ta I've taught people that had no idea in foreign countries, I've, I've stood and taught for hours upon hours. And I could tell that, you know, the, the look in their eye, the look on their face, they, they, were trying to, they were trying to understand what I was teaching. They were trying to understand. And then all of a sudden, you see the lights start coming on. They start getting it. That is exciting. When you see people start getting it. Amen. I taught, on, I taught on spiritual identity for four hours in a little place called Kwamashu in South Africa where the, the police 
wore riot gear and, and rode around in armored vehicles, and you couldn't even get a taxi to take you into this place because it's so dangerous. And yet I was able to get in there and teach at a little Bible school they had there in a little building. And, and, and for four hours I taught on spiritual identity, identifying yourself in Christ, and how that we got to stop identifying ourselves by our culture, by our skin color, and by how we were raised, where we came from, and we got to start identifying as Christians, as children of God. And what an amazing thing. In the first two hours that I taught, they, they were just struggling with what I was teaching. You could tell they were struggling with it. But then the second two hours, yes, four hours. So when I, when I go over an hour here, you understand that I'm still, I've still got three more hours in me. I taught, I taught at a retreat, pastor's retreat here a while back, and they gave me two-hour slot. And, and at first I was thinking, you know, boy, that, you know, that's a lot of time to fill. And Sister Betty even mentioned, you know, that two hours. Wow, that's a long time. And, and we had a hard time shutting it down at three hours every day. I mean, the word, once you get hold of the Word of God and the revelation begins to come, it's not like, it's not like you're watching the clock. I mean, you are eating it up. You're hungry. But at the end of this, I've told you the story many times, but I'm going to tell it again because I really like it. This little, little guy from uh, Zimbabwe come up to me, tears running down his, his face. And I thought, man, what did I do to this guy? You know, he, he's crying. And he came up to me, tears running down his face, and he said, he said, I've been taught to hate you. He said, my family taught me to hate white people. And he said, I grew up hating you. And he said, when you came here today and I had to sit here and listen to you, he said, I, I was just literally full of hatred and anger toward you because I had to listen to you. And I said, man, I'm sorry about that. He said, no. He said, he said you helped me understand today. And he said, I have been freed from all that anger and hatred. I no longer hate. I no longer have hatred in my heart for you. I love you. He said, you, you help me to understand today that you are my family. You are my brother. And we are brothers in the work of the Lord. And I said, yes, we are. And he hugged me, and we stood there hugging, and, and, and he was just weeping, just shaking because a light had come on, their illumination had come to something, and all of a sudden he was delivered and set free from years of bondage because truth became illuminated. I want to ask you today, what kind of things need to be illuminated in your heart? What is it that God can help us to understand that will set us free? In this next year, there have been some things I was, I was praying and thinking the other day. There's, there's some things that I've been meaning to teach on for a long time and minister on and for us to get, and I can't seem to get to it. And I believe in this next year we're going to get to those, those principles. Amen. There's some things God wants to illuminate in our lives. Stand with me, if you would, today. What is it that God wants to illuminate in your life? There are some things that you can go from being in bondage to, and all of a sudden the light shines on it. Next thing you know, you're free from that because revelation come into your mind, your heart. 
things you believe about yourself that aren't what God thinks. You're opposing God because of your own personal opinions of yourself. You won't let God bless you. You won't let God into your life because of something you see, have an opinion you have of yourself. And you, you block God because you can't seem to allow him to come into that area. Jealousies and angers and disappointments. Things that control us. Things that literally control our lives. And yet Jesus, he wants to shine light in there so that we can break the power of that over our lives. Father, we just thank you today for your goodness. Thank you, Father, for light. Thank you, God, for light. Father, I thank you for light. Thank you for illumination. 